Hello everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Anti-Culture. I have a very special guest today, someone who has really shaped a lot of my personal career journey thus far, Mitzi Payne. Mitzi is a visionary, a business owner, a mom, and one of the fiercest go-getters I know right here in Calgary, where her and her husband Mike run the digital marketing agency Arcade Studios. So if you didn't know, this is kind of my secondary life, and I've been working with Mike and Mitzi at Arcade for the past three years, and it has been such an inspirational journey, to say the least. Being at an agency is something that's unlike anything else I've ever done. When I first started with them, we were a super small team. I stepped in actually just before Mitzi had her mat leave, before she gave birth to her first daughter, and... They had someone drop out on her when she was due the same week. So it was a pretty crazy circumstance that landed me at their agency. And when I think back to those days, we were only a team of four. We were humble, hungry, driven. But today we've grown to have 14 staff members and we've worked with some major clients. One of the highlights for me being John Krasinski and his project, Some Good News. So if you didn't know, now you do. I was running the Some Good News Twitter account while he was releasing episodes during the height of the pandemic in 2020. You can even catch my name, Mitzi's name, and the rest of our team in the credits of one of his final episodes. Working with Mitzi has been a dream come true in so many ways, and she taught me pretty much everything I know about marketing, social media, and advertising. She is a self-proclaimed lover of the internet. She is a mom. She is a proud Latina. But something she doesn't speak on often is her cultural identity, and I've been itching to have a discussion with her about it. And today was our day. There are moments of, you know, watching your parents struggle, maybe, or watching your parents um, navigate a new culture. You know, I remember moments where, as a young child, I'd be like, go to certain, you know, offices and translate. Or, like, you know, doing those things, I think that's, you know, important um, experience that I'm grateful for because it gives you a bit of grit and it gives you like good reality check a healthy reality check and it gives you a bit of like fight in you and a chip on your shoulder and I think I I'm grateful for that chip on my shoulder because it's allowed me to like fight through you know environments that I feel like maybe I'm not the natural fit for (laughs) Anticulture is a proud member of the Alberta podcast network which has an amazing collection of shows just like mine, homegrown here in Alberta. One of my favorites is Kyle Marshall's Creative Block Show, where he interviews the minds behind the creators around us. And I was actually a guest on the show a few years ago. You can check it out and all of the other shows on the roster at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Rumi. Cold drafts, flickering lights, and where is that leak coming from? If you've ever wondered what's really going on in your home, Rumi's Ask a Home Inspector service can help. Connect with a certified professional home inspector by phone or video call and get all of your questions answered. Rumi will let you know what's easily fixable with a little DIY or when you might need to call in some professional help. Visit rumi.ca, that's R-U-M-I dot C-A, and book your Ask a Home Inspector appointment today. And without any more delay, I'm proud to introduce my discussion with Mitzi Payne. I hope you enjoy. Hello, Mitzi. Hi. My boss, my friend, <laughs> my Hello, mentor. Hello, <laughs> My friend, my coworker, my ads guru. 
That's me. That's a little you. known fact about me for some of my listeners oh, probably. Oh, true. Yeah. This is your whole other like alter ego. My alter ego life. Yeah. Yeah. Journalist well, Josiah. Journalist and ads guru. I like it. Yeah. Do you have a double title like that? Um, Mom. Mom and? Wifey. And wifey. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I guess. <laughs> well, thank you for talking to me today, Mitzi. It's thank you for having me. It's going to be so fun to talk about your experience and mm-hmm. some of your identity and what you've accomplished. And I think you have such an interesting story that you haven't really shared with many people. Yeah, it's true. And uh, yeah, I just kind of wanted to open the floor up to you to start things off. Why don't you give us a bit of an introduction for people who might not know you and let us know what you're about. Definitely. So my name's Mitzi Payne. Um, I am, like Josiah mentioned, his boss, but also (laughs) um, I am a Canadian Latina. I am a business owner. I'm a mother. I am a second generation Canadian um, born to two immigrant parents who came here from Chile, started a new life in Canada before I was born. Uh, Very grateful for that. I'm a woman, a woman of color to to add to that. Let's go. And... uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's me. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I think your your cultural story is really interesting because, as you mentioned, you're a second generation mm-hmm. um, Canadian, but mm-hmm. there's also been a lot of moving around that has happened in your life. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm curious, can you tell us a little bit about where you've lived and how mm-hmm. that's kind of influenced how you see yourself culturally? Totally. So I was born in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, which is like the most opposite you can get from where my parents came from, which was Chile. Right. Um, so it was very cold, obviously in a very small Latin community, I would say, uh, compared to where I lived later. So, um, I was always kind of like very, felt very different from people growing up. Um, my parents also moved to Canada without any English, without much family, without like a job. So they really did everything from scratch and I have so much respect for how they've built their life. Um, Grew up in Edmonton, so spent most of my formative years there. And then I graduated high school and I moved to Miami, Florida, which is a very different cultural landscape than Edmonton. Uh, First of all, it's the United States, very different cultural um, between like U.S. and Canada in itself. But in addition to that, Miami, if you don't know, is super Latin. So they, they say that the best thing about Miami is, is is that it's so close to the United States as a joke because people, it's just so Latin. Like there's so much Latin influence there, which is really beautiful. So I lived there um, and went to school in that area for five years. And then in between, I lived in Washington, D.C. just for a little bit. So like a quick hot second, I was interning there um, in 2008. And then after I graduated university, I moved to Vancouver And by then, my parents had, like, located there. Um, So that's where I lived for seven years until I met my husband. We got married. And then now we're in Calgary, Alberta. So back to Alberta. Yeah. (laughs) Who would have thought? Did you think you would be back in Alberta? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. We had, like, well, I had huge, I've always had big aspirations to live in a big city. I always wanted to, like, do the Toronto or New York or L.A. or something like that. Um, So... And actually, like, for a long time while I was in school, my goal was to move to D.C. Like, I wanted to be a political reporter. Um, So it's, I mean, Calgary is still a big city. It's not a small city, but it's not, like, one of the big mega centers of the world yet. Right. Um, So it's it's definitely not something I planned, but I'm very grateful 
that I'm here. Yeah, and you're raising your family here now too, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah. How old were you when you moved from Edmonton to Florida? And was that like a weird like cultural reversal for you? Yeah, I was 18 when I moved there. So I just graduated high school. I took a gap year between high school and university. Um, so it, it was very different. I moved there with my family. So I had, you know, support with me. Um, but I remember like literally day one from moving was weird because um, they ask you when you immigrate and in a lot of government form, they ask you, what's your ethnicity? And mm. I was not used to answering that question. And my whole family was like, what do we what do we put here? Because we were like, we're Canadian. And so we literally cl- like checked other and wrote Canadian. And the customs immigration person was like, no, but that's not what they're asking. Wow. You know, like they had to like correct us and like teach us that what we had to check off was Hispanic based on like what he perceived right. from my parents and us. So it was really interesting, like even just right out the gate, having to figure out what's the box that you check mm-hmm. in terms of like your cultural identity. And I understand why, like I learned so much about like American history and, you know, um, segregation and like racism and all these things that are a big deep part of America in general. So I learned to get used to that. And mm-hmm. I guess like that just became part of, you know, the identity you adopt as you enter the country. And then, there's so many other ramifications of that. I I'm really am grateful for that because I also learned to celebrate Latin culture and like really celebrate that part of who I am. Um, I think in Canada, it's not as celebrated because maybe there's a smaller community. And at least for us and my upbringing, I wasn't, I didn't have a lot of Latin community around me. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up with that. Um, but in Miami, everyone's Latin. So like, you kind of just like have family wherever you go, which is really beautiful. I remember there was a moment in my university where I was I'm part of I was part of our um, school paper, our campus paper, and there was a moment in our university and when I was there where they really made it more of a conscious effort to expand the diversity of our campus. And so one year, I was I was very aware that I was one of the few people of color in the room during our like editorial meetings and then the next year I said something to my friend I was like I was looking around the room and I saw all these people of color and like how beautiful and she was like yeah and you're part of that and I was like oh yeah I am like Mm -hmm. I didn't I kind of like it took me a while to be like yeah that I am part of that and I'm proud of that you know and I'm happy that I'm part of that um but that was like after that I feel like everywhere you go people remind you that you are Mm what you are so yeah you said a phrase earlier when we were first introducing ourselves and you said that you are a Canadian Latina is that a terminology that would be common did you come to a place where you kind of were like okay that's going to be the identifier I use because you could say you know uh Canadian Chilean or Chilean Canadian or is there something behind that that has more meaning yeah I mean I think I think my experience in Florida made me feel proud to be Latina and I am really like I really connect with that and I do feel like that's part of who I am Um, it also made me proud to be Canadian like I there was a lot of you know moments where I could like really step into that too and like use that as a differentiator for myself um the Chilean part is is interesting because I for sure I'm proud of that part of my history um 
but I just haven't had as much time there to be able to be like, right. Yeah. I am connected to this culture. And, and when I do go there and I'm like, I love the family that I have there and the time that I get there, um, I just do feel very different, you know? Yeah. I think it's interesting with like, um, bigger minority groups like Hispanic people or black people, there's not really this national identifier that comes up as often. It's like, you know, African-American or Latino, blah, blah, blah. It's less about the country. Whereas like there's other cultures where it is about the country and that's like part of your identity. So it's kind of cool thinking about you being in Miami because there was this family and it wasn't about what countries you were from. It's just like, Mm -hmm. you know, this is the Latino community. Yeah, that was a small variable. Like I remember we, we, one of the first things we did is connect to a church in Florida and we connected to a like a Latin church and they like adopted us like we had like every major holiday with them and it didn't even matter because there was like brazilians and there was like cubans and there was colombians and like we were all just one big happy family and there was like those were just variables they weren't like important to our connection Mm -hmm. together so i i think maybe that's probably why that's kind of like formed in me at least so when you left Miami um, after that experience, did you feel like you had a loss of community or did you feel kind of like, okay, I kind of have a better sense of identity now so I can go wherever? Um, yeah, I mean, I think when I moved from Florida, there was for sure a loss. There's always a loss when you move to a new city mm-hmm. and you have to start over. I think because I'd already done it, maybe I was just more prepared for it. Um, so it didn't feel like a transition I wasn't ready for. And I expected to kind of find my people again. So, um, and did I, you? I did. That's awesome. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. That's really cool. Well, let's, uh, we'll come back to the whole cultural discussion because cool. obviously that's super interesting. That's but fun. I do want to know, I want you to, to paint us a picture of your role now. It kind of goes beyond your cultural identity. You're a business owner, you're mm-hmm. a wife, you're a mother. Um, And I want to talk to you a little bit more about being a business owner. Is that something you always envisioned for yourself? Because you mentioned you wanted to be a political reporter. So what shifted there for you? Yeah, no, I mean, I always expected that I would be building something, but I I didn't necessarily picture myself as an owner of something, of a business. Um, I was always really ambitious. I was always like had big dreams. I always, you know, wanted the highest like, level of achievement in any area I was focused on so um I was always very driven uh I think like like I said I was really focused on journalism being a political reporter and then when that kind of like reality check came into play I kind of shifted and I was after I graduated university I was kind of open to anything uh anything in journalism and writing and whatever because that's what I went for, to school for. And then I got my first job at a magazine in the marketing department. And my goal was to kind of like make my way into the editorial department. But once I started working in marketing, I really kind of got in tune with like the natural rhythm of and the pace of that department. And I would could I could compare the editorial to marketing. And I was like, oh, well, this is way better fit for my natural pace I feel like I like having multiple projects to juggle while editorial seemed so linear and not slower but just different you know and so I was I was really kind of like opened up this whole new world of marketing Um, and I'm grateful that I had the journalism background at least schooling because I learned how to tell stories and I learned how to like 
capture an audience quickly. You know, and I think that's really important in marketing. You're telling a brand story, not a person's story. So I'm grateful for that foundation. Um, and it kind of opened up this whole new opportunity and a whole new industry that I had never really like invested any time looking into at all. Um, so that's kind of what started that like whole trajectory in a whole different industry. In terms of starting a business, I think I kind of like fell into that. So um, which is not last... something a lot of people say, like, it seems like most people, it's like, that's their goal. Right. So it's kind of yeah. cool that it just kind of came Every together. Every time someone tells me like, oh, it's my goal to start an agency or goal to start my own business. I'm like, why? <laughs> why would you ever want to do that? That is, it's so hard. And how much like not easier, but less stressful is it to just have a job, you know, and it can be high pressure and there's nothing wrong with that. But like, you know, I think the responsibility of being in charge of someone's livelihood is really a lot of stress. Yeah. So I'm always like, why would you want that? But anyways, <laughs> yeah, I kind of fell into it because I started freelancing. My The job that I had, um, unfortunately, lost funding. So I kind of was forced to look for some freelance work on the side. And that eventually got me enough to hire someone, kind of like do it for myself full time. Um, and so I did like the option of earning as much as I could and actually it was when I was in university I had a serving job which I always say is like my favorite job um, besides the job I have right now but I loved it so much because the person who trained me just really empowered me to see my section of tables as my own business and that I had control over whatever happened to that business and it was my job to make sure that they left the restaurant feeling completely happy. So even if I had to stop a car from leaving to ask them what I could do to make their, their experience better, I had permission to do that. So if it was like comping someone's dessert, getting them free drinks, whatever, like I was really empowered to take care of my own section as my business. And I think that kind of like sparked something in me that like was my first taste of like owning something or, or having that ownership over something and full control. And I think once I had the taste of that, I was like, this is what I want and this is what I want to do. But I didn't walk away from that being like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I walked away from that just kind of like, I was like high on that control. Right. I yeah. Guess. You're like, or just like excited and motivated by it because yeah. it was freedom, you know, like freedom to work as hard as you want to earn what you want. And I think like as a woman, I really am grateful for that because, um, you know, gender pay gap exists and uh, there's lots of industries where women are, you know, severely underpaid, but then their male counterparts. So the opportunity to just like earn and eat what I kill, I really, really like loved that. So it's something that later on I like connected the dots and I'm like, okay, that makes sense that I'm down for this ride, but I know that it's not easy. Yeah. I think it's uh, really cool to just watch your trajectory because you've been in so many different settings where you classically wouldn't belong quote unquote being in Washington for example it's like a very you know white collar political city of mm -hmm. white men mm -hmm. and Edmonton is like <laughs> I don't know we won't blue. say adjectives there but yes blue collar is a great word and then Miami you had this like community experience um, but then you kind of yeah you're jumping around from different industries into different communities into different settings business owner is kind of a title that is usually you know, when you think of that image, it is a white man. It is mm -hmm. that go-getter entrepreneur 
startup kind of guy. And <laughs> so I, I think it's really cool to hear how you felt empowered by something so small and just through experience and being given the reins to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's a lot of people that are in a similar position, second generation, that have dreams and goals and want to be go-getters. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just curious to ask you, what do you think are... What do you think are the main barriers for people in that situation? What do you think is holding those people back and what is needed to empower them? Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably like so many layers that there's definitely internal barriers. Like even I have internal barriers that I've you know, had to work through and I've had people in my life that have really like helped me get through those internal barriers. And I've had, am- I have amazing parents who have always empowered me and from a young age have challenged me to have dreams and I think that was really like something that I took for granted and I didn't realize how special that was until you know as an adult you compare what other people's experiences were and I'm really grateful for that because from the beginning I was never allowed to have small ambitions like I'm laughing because I'm remembering one time um, I told my mom that I wanted to be a hairdresser and she was like, oh, that's a nice hobby <laughs> and no shade to hairdressers. But she just kind of like challenged me to think bigger. Right, right. So it was always like, I want to be like I was always dreaming really big mm-hmm. and I was always really empowered to do that. So I'm sure there's like a lot of people who maybe have dreams and they're not they don't have the support system to really like empower those dreams or really help them and encourage them when times are hard. And I'm really grateful that I had that support system. Yeah. And I think there's almost an advantage when you are a second generation immigrant because your parents have, they put that gumption forward and they had those big dreams and they actually accomplished them. Like thinking about um, even my grandparents, like coming to Canada um, in my own story, it's like, that is, it's not easy to, to relocate. It's not easy to start somewhere, especially when you don't have the language and you're not used to the culture. And I think there's kind of a fire under, <laughs> under those people. And that's like, you know, my kids are here and I fought for this. And so I want to see them go further. Yeah. And if I were them, I'd have challenged, like if I were my mom, I'd have been like, yeah, that's a great hobby too. You know, like, cause, yeah. and, and I don't think they ever did that in a way. It's like, make the most of what I did. You know, it was mm-hmm. more so like, I was very aware of how hard they worked and how much harder life was for them, but how they chose to do that for the benefit of me and my brother. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like this healthy responsibility. And I think I've always done well with pressure. It was the healthy pressure I needed to kind of like really push myself and to really aspire for more. So yeah, yeah, you're right. I think a lot of people who grow up seeing their parents do that, um, it kind of builds a bit of grit in you too. Mm -hmm. And I'm really grateful for that because there are moments of, you know, watching your parents struggle maybe or watching your parents um, navigate a new culture. You know, I remember moments where as a young child, I'd be like, go to certain, you know, offices and translate or like, you know, doing those things. I think that's, you know, important, um, experience that I'm grateful for Mm -hmm. because it gives you a bit of grit and it gives you like good reality check, a healthy reality check. And it gives you a bit of like fight in you and a chip on your shoulder. And I think I, I'm grateful for that chip on my shoulder Mm -hmm. because it's allowed me to like fight through, you know, environments that I feel like maybe I'm not the natural fit for (laughs) totally yeah and I think you've challenged that over and over again and I think you have such an interesting story too because you represent so much um 
so much progress in terms of what a second generation female can do in different scenarios. And I, I really admire that about you. And I think it's, yeah, it's something that really shines through in your personality. Um, I feel like it's, it's hard to challenge you. I think if there's something that is presented to you, you're like, okay, let's do it. And I really, really like that. And um, something that I think is really interesting about your story too, is now with your business that you have, which I work for, (laughs) um, it's something that came together with your husband, Mike. Mm -hmm. And it's, you went from being a solopreneur woman, business owner by yourself Mm -hmm. um, to a lot of people, this image of um, feminism and empowerment. And you decided to start a business with your husband. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk a little bit about that. So was that something that was challenging for you to decide? Did it feel, did you feel like it challenged maybe your perspective of feminism and the things that you fought for up until that point? Yeah. I mean, that's a really interesting question. Short answer. I don't think it defied my view of feminism at all, because I think feminism just means like, you know, women and men being treated equally. And I'm really grateful that I found a partner in my husband who is really empowering to me and has always wanted me to be the star of the show. And so He's done that, you know, privately and publicly. So being a partner to him doesn't challenge any of that. It more so just empowers that. And, you know, him as like a white male, like he has privileges that maybe I don't. And so he's always used that to benefit me and to elevate me. So I'm really grateful for that. And also I'll say that like anyone who's also in my position, like I don't think I don't think it's possible to do anything alone to accomplish anything alone everyone needs someone I know that any accomplishments I've had is thanks to my team thanks to my husband thanks to my family like and even as a mom now like it's more obvious than ever that I can't accomplish anything without support you know so I don't think anyone should you know see or glorify solopreneurs as this someone who's doing all of this magically by themselves it's impossible there's so much behind the scenes and so much support that happens in order for anything to be accomplished so I don't think I'll ever take on endeavor without a team a teammate and for me and my business it's my husband and it's amazing and it's fun so I'm really grateful for that do you think it's unique that you're able to do that I know that lots of people say (laughs) don't enter business with your spouse what do you think's different about what you and Mike have Um, yeah, I feel like we get that question all the time. Like, how can we do it and not like kill each other? And, um, I think if you're in business or if you are dating or a partner to an entrepreneur, you're in business with them. So the fact that, you know, he's an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur, even before we were married, like we were already in business together. His success is my success. My success is his success. So no one's going to work harder for our businesses than each other. And no one's going to work harder for the other person's success than each other. So I think merging our, we actually merged our business to become one agency, Arcade. Um, So it was just like a no brainer because we were already doing that behind the scenes. So it just made more sense to accumulate it all formally. So, and also I'll say like my solo business wouldn't have existed without Mike either. There was a moment where I wasn't being paid by my full-time employer um, because we had run out of funding. And so I kind of was like at a crossroads and I, was, and I was getting freelance work enough that could probably supplement or replace my full-time income. And I was kind of like, what should I do? And I was asking Mike, I'm like, do you think I should just do this by myself or should I like keep working or should I like, 
I don't know, like I wasn't sure what to do. And he was like hesitant to give me advice, but he was like, do it. Like, yeah, you know, those were those moments where another person who empowered you. Exactly. So, and he also like at the time, his company was a branding agency. They did all my branding, which was like a big part of, you know, starting on your own. Like, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. And so waves wouldn't have existed without Mike. And, and so I'm grateful for that. That's so cool. Um, I want to talk about you being a mom now and, I think there's so many interesting things to talk about, especially because you're somewhat of a new mom. Um, Elaine is turning three soon, know, that's so crazy. which is crazy. Um, but I think it's it's a it's a interesting time to raise a child. I think the world is mm-hmm. more connected than ever. There's a lot of blurred lines when it comes to cultural identity and even just personal identity and um, how you navigate who you are and what the world shows. And especially being in marketing, you have a really good understanding of that. So. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, um, I guess the first question I'm curious about with your daughter is how are you, um, how do you communicate the ethnic story of her background being in a mixed race couple and raising her in Canada? How are you, um, do you have kind of ideas of how you'll implement that sense of identity in her Mm -hmm. from a cultural perspective? Yeah, that's something I've thought about a lot. Um, And I don't think I have a perfect plan. Um, I think the thing that I'm trying to do is just make sure that I'm intentional about infusing some of my culture into her experience. So one of the things that we're doing is she's at like a bilingual Spanish daycare where they mostly speak to her in Spanish. And it's really funny because she'll come home and she'll just speak, she'll just say gibberish and she thinks she's speaking Spanish. And I I picked her up actually um, yesterday from daycare and the lady was like telling me that she told them that I speak Spanish with her at home. And I was really proud of that because I'm like, I don't do it a lot, but you know, the little that I'm doing, I'm trying. So I think my goal is for her to have an awareness about it and I had awareness about it. It was not something that was like, you know, maybe as celebrated as I wanted it to be, but it wasn't hidden, of course. Like, it's an obvious part of life. Um, So I want her to, like, be really aware of it, and I want her to have people in her life who are Latin and proud of it. So um, that daycare is an amazing resource for us right now, and in the future I'll have to figure out, you know, whether that's family, friends, or whatever, um, who those people will be. So trying to make sure that she's aware of it. I, of course, want to bring her to Chile as soon as we can. That'd be amazing. And then I'm making sure that my parents speak to her in Spanish and we're talking about stories. I'm, I know that she, she's pretty light-skinned. So um, the world will probably not see that side of her unless she's vocal and proud of it. So my job as a mom who, you know, she's inherited that culture from me is to find ways to make her feel proud of it. Mm -hmm. Everyone takes that journey for themselves. Like I can do everything in my power to make it like a big part of her upbringing. But I think at some point I've like accepted that it's going to be up to her and it's her journey to uh, decide and understand what that means for her own identity you right know? just the way anything else would be when you're yeah. raising children like even when it comes to faith you can do everything you can to you know give her a good example or give a good example of what your personal faith is and show them and practice but it's going to be their journey to mm-hmm. either adopt that or not so mm-hmm. i know cultural is different because it's part of her heritage and you know it's like her blood you know but um, because she's light skin, I'm very aware that the world won't 
automatically associate that with her so it's going to be up to her to own it right yeah that's really interesting yeah I know like navigating growing up like my parents are Mm -hmm. mixed race couple Mm -hmm. and um I I think it's it's it was it's interesting thinking back to being a kid because my dad would tell us stories from Trinidad or like um explain and I think there's so many elements that help solidify that there's the Mm -hmm. stories there's the food there's the extended family there's the time we went to Trinidad as a family and I always thought it was so cool I loved having something extra about me almost Mm -hmm. um and I think that um that's hopefully going to be the same story for Elena there's that there is a pride in having something something more to your story totally and I think like I was listening to uh, a podcast about was a someone who was mixed race and because she's darker skin she was publicly um identified or people identified her as african-american so even like and she was commenting that like the world isn't ready for mixed race kids as an identifier they kind of automate automatically assume that based on what your the color of your skin is so even for example barack obama he's the first african-american president but he's also mixed race too so they aren't saying he's the first mixed race president they're saying he's the first african-american president because of the color of his skin so i hope that my daughter's generation will maybe kind of come to terms with that vernacular so that they're kind of saying what it is which is mixed race and there's nothing wrong with that and doesn't in any way minimize you know your cultural identity it just kind of like says who you are so you're not in this tension of it because um I think that must be hard too to be like automatically associated or assumed one side of the half of who you are and I know that people will automatically assume because she's light-skinned that she's white and kind of dismiss the other side of her so I'd rather as a parent her kind of like identify with that mixed side so that she knows like there's this Latin side of me and there's this other side of me and they're perfectly in unison in who I am. If you hadn't lived in Miami um, at all, do you think your concept of your cultural identity would be very different today? A hundred percent. Yeah. I'm so grateful that I, I was exposed to that. And, and I think it was the healthiest thing for me in my identity because I, it would force me to like confront that side of myself and to really decide if I'm going to own it or not. If I'm going to, if I'm going to be part of this like kaleidoscope of Latin people, or if I'm going to like, you know, step out of that. And I think, you know, I embraced, I embraced it and I'm so grateful I did. My Spanish was impeccable in Miami and I'm so sad that it, I lost some of that because I'm not practicing as much anymore. And, Um, But I also like I think it was so important for me to see different kinds of people who are Latin and, you know, not just one kind of person. There's like so many different types of people um, that were like proud Latinos. And I I loved, loved seeing that. There was no like I think I walked away from that experience, like kind of like it reshaped my perception of what Latino people could be like. And I am really, really grateful for that. I want you to share if there's a moment specifically that you're most proud of in your career journey. Yeah, I think there's a, so much of it has happened recently. Um, it's really interesting. Our, you know, business, our life as business owners was really hard up until, I mean, it still has its hard moments, but we really struggled in 2019 to, um, to, to build enough revenue to support our team uh, we had to lay off some people. It was really tough. So 
I think the biggest thing that I'm proud of is we got an opportunity with um, John Krasinski to support some good news and you were a part of that, which is really fun. Um, so it was like a, a really proud moment for me because it was a show that brought a lot of positivity and happiness to the world at a time that was really um, scary and depressing. It was at the height of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So it was when things were kind of like uncertain, pretty scary. And we got to like just really submerge ourselves in this show and we got a, lo- a lot of fun stunts that we were a part of. And I think that was really fun. I think I'd always wanted to be part of like what everyone was talking about. Yeah. Like, I wanted to be, I still want to be part of culture in like the way of like pop culture. You yeah. Know? Like, and that made such a mark too. Yeah. Like everyone knows about some good news. Exactly. It was so trending cool. around the world. We, you know, we, I remember one night you were part of this too, but we, the first week where we were working on the show and like, we got at, like the secret link to the, sh- the yes. Hamilton stunt, <laughs> which was so cool. And just like, you know, watching it with you guys, uh, each of us in our own like collective or our own like home because yeah. it was COVID. It was the beginning of COVID. And just knowing that, like, everyone's going to be talking about this. This is going to be trending. Like, literally, everyone will see this video. So cool. And I just felt so excited about that. So I think, yeah, some good news is something that I was really proud of. And it's led to other opportunities and a lot of growth for our business. And I'm also very proud of our team. I think this stage of our business right now and the size of our team, I just feel really proud, like I mentioned earlier, that I know how important, like, a, a good bosses and I I don't define a good boss as someone who's like nice I define a good boss as someone who like pushes you to be the best that you can Mm -hmm. be and I know how important that was for me and I just feel so proud and grateful that I get to be that and I have the opportunity to be that to all these amazing people that I've got to handpick myself and so So I'm really proud of being an employer and giving other people jobs and I know that you know is not going to last forever I think being an entrepreneur you just have to be nimble and like okay with the uncertainty of it all and so I know that like in this season right now we have this moment to work together and do business together and crash around together but that's not guaranteed Hmm. and so I feel really proud of like the business we've built right now as it stands today that's so cool um I just remembered a really cool story um you don't have to share it but um it's kind of funny um, when you were doing a Some Good News meeting and you ended up just being on the camera with John Krasinski yes. and you had Elena with you. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. So um, we got a text from his agents and they were like, can you guys jump on a Zoom call in like 15 minutes with John, with John to discuss some ideas? And I was like, yeah, totally. Was this and your first time like being on a call with him? No, we were okay. on a call with him before, but it was like maybe five or six other people. Okay. So And we barely <laughs> talked. Right. It was just like a listen you know right right and so I was like yeah absolutely and so I texted Mike he wasn't texting me back he was on another call and I was like oh my gosh I'm at home with Elena and at the time Elena was like maybe a year I think she was less than that actually she was like still pretty like baby vibes (laughs) and so I was like I can't really like leave her alone in a room with a tv because she wasn't like watching tv at that time she wasn't interested in it so I just put her in my in a high chair and I just gave her like a full like Costco size thing of hummus and I was just like whatever and I sat next to her with my computer facing me um, on this call and I jumped on the call and it was like no one everyone was late for some reason or like getting stuff together and it was just me and John and I was like trying to make small talk but also like very like nervous and trying to like 
be professional and also like have good ideas and it was like really scary and then other people jumped on it it's fine and the call ended up being like close to an hour long wow and mike was like texting me he's like i'm trying to wrap up i'm gonna jump on blah 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 and it was a really good call and then about like five and elena was doing so good and at the time we hadn't like, done that before so i was like kept watching her on the side of like <laughs> my peripheral and then like five minutes before the call, she was sort of like freaking out and like crying. And so I just picked her up and she was covered in hummus, put her on my lap. And of course, like John was amazing and his team was like so nice. And they're, you know, he's a dad. So he was like so nice and like sweet about it. So it's chill. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> just like this A-lister has an inside look into your life in this one moment. <laughs> yeah. And like Elena's like has no clothes on, just wearing a diaper, like hummus <laughs> all over her hair and it was kind of a mess, but it was fun. That's cool. When mm-hmm. Elena's old enough to watch The Office, you'll have to tell her that story. Yeah, I feel like at that point, she like won't care about any of it. <laughs> she'll be like, okay, mom. Yeah, she'll be like, okay, you guys have shared that story 20 times. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy hearing from Mitzi, I would highly recommend her weekly podcast, Waves Social Podcast, which is all about the marketing world. Mitzi and her husband Mike take the host chair and bring on some amazing guests. You can even catch me talking about ads in their latest season. You can also check out Mike and Mitzi's company, Arcade Studios, at arcadearcade.ca. Mitzi is active on Instagram where you can see more of her life and journey at Mitzi. That's with three M's, M-M-M-I-T-Z-I. I hope you're enjoying the season of our podcast this year. We have lots more on the way, so if you haven't already, Now is your chance to subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps me out as we grow and evolve. Check out our website for more at josiahpodcast.com and follow us on social media and let me know what you thought of the episode at Josiah Podcast on all platforms. Until next week, I'm your host, Josiah Sinanin, and thank you for listening.